0: I'm ready to make my credits count. I'm ready to take classes from a university that will help me build on my experience to prepare me for the future. A university that will make me feel supported,
1: encouraged, and connected.
0: Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Sacktown Royalty Show. I am your host, Tony Zaparis, and joining me on the podcast this week, friend of the show and King's season ticket holder, it's Jill Adge. Jill, how are you?
1: Good. Thank you again for having me. How are you doing?
0: Uh, I'm doing great. Always great to talk to you. The one good thing about not recording a podcast in any consistent way is that when you finally do record, there's plenty to talk about. I have like a backlog of topics that I've wanted to talk about on the podcast for a few <laughs> weeks now. Now we get to finally do it. Unfortunately, that means we have to start off with a little bit of King's front office update slash drama. And some of this is the same stuff we were dealing with. The I don't know if it was a Woj bomb or uh, Sam Amick dropped the news about the first round of tension between Dave Yeager yeah. and Brandon Williams, but it sounds like, at least according to Sam Amick and a couple other follow-up reports, that there really hasn't been much progress on that relationship and the the one kind of nugget that sort of was a holdover from that first round of drama that kind of never got resolved was the contracts of the Kings assistant coaches, both Vlade Divac and Dave Yeager's contracts and at the end of next year where all of the Kings assistant coaches contracts end at the end of this year. And I, I know we wrote about it a few days before the Kings made it official, but it sounds like at least an offer has been extended by the Kings to the assistant coaches for next season, which is good, although Carmichael Dave, I'm sure a lot of listeners that are listening to the podcast right now, saw his thread on Twitter giving a a more realistic um, version of events here, and it's not as simple as the Kings extended the assistant coaches and now everything's fine, but I'll ask you, Jill, for your take. What do you make of the Kings finally extending those offers to the assistant coaches? And correct me if I'm wrong, I don't remember seeing a report anywhere saying that the Kings assistant coaches accepted those offers. That might just be a formality, and maybe they have, and it's just not worth reporting. But as far as I know, the last thing I read was that those contracts were offered to the assistant coaches, and I haven't uh, seen anything since saying that those are all signed and it's a direct deal or anything.
1: Yeah, I I took it the same way. And then they also asked uh, Yeager about it prior to last game, because that's kind of when the news came out. And his take was um, that those guys deserve it, and he's really happy for them. So I don't know if it is technically just a formality, but Amick did mention that the assistants were kind of peeved that the email came from Brandon Williams. And um, I don't know. My only take was maybe, you know, we keep hearing how Vladi's the peacemaker – Maybe that was some sort of olive branch that he was sending out, you know, that it's coming from him, you know, that it's coming from Williams, but I still, I don't, I'm, but it still has a weird look to it. If things have not been kind of cleared over, but I have to say like being at game. So being a season ticket holder, being at games where I have tickets that are, um, similar uh it's close to where vladi is basically standing in that tunnel like that's his spot mm-hmm. and then Peja is usually um, behind the basket next to the king's bench a couple rows up that's usually where his go-to spot is well ken and brandon always sat together um like maybe five to ten rows behind the king's bench since all that has happened it's been ken's still sitting there but different people you know, of, that are part of the team have been sitting next to him. So, I mean, that's been a notice, a noticeable change, that he's no longer out in the stands anymore with people. I mean, you, when you see it on TV now, he's usually standing next to Vladdy or behind him, but he's, he's in that tunnel now. He's not being seen out, which, I mean, I don't know if that says something. The fact that I don't know if they're afraid that people, fans are going to say stuff because he was sitting out there. Yeah. Um, or if it's just keeping him away, you know, a distraction, whether the coaches look that way or players or whoever. But, I mean, the fact that you even have to do that kind of stuff is just weird as it is. But to me, as being someone that sat there and kind of noticed that that's where these guys sat for the first, you know, quarter of the season, and since that all happened, that that's changed, um, I thought that was kind of a little weird. And then, I mean, I really hope that, they do sign them, and I'm hoping that we do hear that it, that it's a done thing. And if that's the case, then that puts Jaeger, the whole coaching staff, and Vladi all on essentially the same contract terms. And so I know a bunch of you know people are asking for Jaeger to be extended already beyond next season, but I really don't see that happening until the off season where – I would think that if he's going to get extended that Vladdy would get extended as well because otherwise you're dealing with that same – you could have the coach but not have the GM or you could have the GM and not the coach. I, we don't want that whole Mike Malone, Pete you know, issue again if that does happen. So my only thought of why the extension beyond next season hasn't happened, that they're waiting it out for the rest of the year and seeing what happens and then maybe take care of it all of it at once. Um, season and then, then that becomes up to Vivek and the minority owners if they're going to continue with Vladdy as well. I mean, that's a whole other issue. And then you hear about the drama that Vladdy had to have a conference call and tell them to to back off. And I'm still not surprised that that stuff is coming out because every season it seems that we talk about minority owner minority owners being upset about something. So to me, that wasn't totally shocking. Um, but it is disappointing in the fact that we are playing so well and instead of articles being talked about that, we're continually, you know, being talked about the drama, whether it's the assistant GM and the coach or the minority minority owners having issues. It's never about how the team is playing. It's always about the behind the scenes drama. And, you know, the media loves the drama. So you can't really be mad that that's what they're talking about. I mean, it gets clicks and it gets people talking about the same old Kings. Well, it's really not though on the court. And that's kind of what's disappointing is that that's that narrative is being out there again. And it's not, you know, credit's not being given to the players that, that have earned to be talked about. Um, but it was nice to see, I have to say that, um, on the jump the other day, they talked about this and, uh, Nichols and Pippen both gave, um, Kind of posed a question that, where has Lodi basically, was he being judged um, too soon? Like, did everyone, you know, label him as off as a horrible GM and you know there's nowhere to go but down? But then they were giving him actually a lot of credit, and they kind of you know said to themselves that you know I think we might have judged him too early, and I think that's where a lot of the fan base, myself included. Um, that if you were going to, you know, can on and back then for making those horrible mistakes, then you have to give him his props for turning around what he's been able to turn around. So um, it is kind of nice to see that those, that kind of narrative switch out there as well is that um, Blotty's getting a little bit of credit finally. But I mean, the players seem to really like Yeager, you know, and they keep talking about how they love him and, you know, he gives them encouragement and, you know, people kind of make fun that they we kind of saw that they had this like nine, a group of nine assistant coaches, essentially, between player development and assistant coaches. But um, credit Yeager was saying that sometimes you'll have six people around one guy and it, it seems to be working. So whatever they're doing, I want them to continue to keep doing it because it's working. I mean, I, I don't think they should mess with it.
0: I'm glad you brought up that uh, press conference that Jaeger had before I believe it was the blazers game or maybe it was the one before that one um, mm-hmm. because he said something in there that that's caught my attention too where you know he he went on for about it's like a two minute clip of him talking about his assistant coaches and the contract extension and all the stuff you just addressed there but Jaeger said something he actually hammered this point home a lot this season but he mentioned it again in this little press conference uh snippet where he was talking about how tight knit the coaching staff is, which, we mean, we, we knew that already, but it almost seemed like Ve- Yeager was saying that publicly as if to say, like, hey, you guys can't screw with us. Like, we're going to stick together. And th- the reason why that struck me and, and hit me when I heard him say it uh, before the Blazers game was because way back when they were talking about, uh, in that original hands report, where they were talking about potentially firing Dave Jaeger, or at least Brandon Williams was, there was some speculation from our side, the fan side, so yeah. not sourced or anything, that, you know... Are the Kings going to have an interim coach from Jaeger's coaching staff if they do fire him? Because we knew how close the group was. And a lot of people lean towards, you know, they might have a hard time finding a coach midseason if they get rid of Jaeger because of the loyalty in that coaching staff. And to me, Mm -hmm. when I heard Jaeger talking about the loyalty again in that coaching staff, it was another thing where it was like, hey, if you guys let go of me or do anything screwy, like, you're not going to get one of us to go against the group. You're not going to get one of us to, you know, you're not going to get Elston Turner to take over the team if I get fired or whatever. He didn't come out and say that explicitly, but that was definitely the feeling that I got, and that might be contributing to Jaeger's job security as much as anything. I mean, it shouldn't even be a question. It should just have job security because the Kings are playing so well. Um, Oh, 100%. But their unity, their unity as a staff gives them power in negotiations, and uh, that staff and him and the players, none of them deserve... Uh, what's going on behind the scenes? But I did want to ask you about the you know seeing Brandon Williams in the arena. Is he there at all? Uh, I know you mentioned he wasn't in his original seat, but Amick had a, yeah. a point pointed his. He's
1: in the tunnel. Okay, with but he's Lottie there pretty now. consistently. Um, it, I don't know if I would say every game, but I mean the times I do see him, uh, he's he's hanging around back there around Zlati. So, but I think it's more so yes than no, unless he's off traveling yeah. doing what he normally does. Um, but yeah, he's he's down there at least at least from what I've seen. Because
0: Amick reported in, in his most recent uh, one that came out a couple of days ago that the Kings had him intentionally traveling away from the team for a while just to cool down the Yeager right. versus Williams stuff. But if you're at the point, you know, I I am generally on the side of the coaching staff and Dave Yeager with all of this because. They're the ones that are, that have done and are doing their job as well as you possibly can. Where every other pocket of the Kings organization, you can point to like a million things that they've done wrong since they were put in power. And Vlade included. I mean, he's turned it around in a in a crazy, unpredictable, unexpected, from my perspective, way. But you can still point to his track record and, and see some real legitimate mistakes. Um, whereas Jaeger, outside of some weird rotation stuff, him and his staff has handled this development almost perfectly when you consider how well guys who weren't even the top five picks... Like, you can expect that a guy like De'Aaron Fox will be good or that Marvin Bagley will be good. Right. But the development that he's gotten out of guys like Harry Giles, who were who is a player a lot of teams kind of didn't think much of after one injured and kind of poor season at Duke, and then Justin Jackson, another player that the Kings yep. identified really early on in the draft process. I think they brought him in twice, but, you know, Jonathan Gavoni. Uh, formerly of Draft Express, but now under ESPN's draft coverage, he had Justin Jackson as the Kings picked there for a while before the draft, or at mm-hmm. least one of the likely candidates. But he's a guy that a lot of teams didn't think of as highly as the Kings did, and they developed him. So, you, I mean,
1: no, yeah, yeah, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I don't remember ever hearing anything about him on the defensive side, and mm-hmm. that to me, he's more so impressed me there than anything else.
0: And he's been. Uh, above 40% three-point shooter since December 1st, which is uh, yeah. a majority of the season and a, and a huge, huge win for a team that needed one of their wings to start shooting the ball. Um, mm-hmm. So just a ton of props to to the coaching staff for developing not only the high overall picks that should develop, but also the role player picks that a lot of teams fail to to get the most out
1: of. And if you remember too, when he was leaving Memphis, I'm pretty sure that was one of the big knocks on him and the staff is that they couldn't develop their younger players. You know, he was always playing the older players over them. And then when the young guys got in, they weren't, you know, playing how they should be playing. But yet then when they had all those injuries, he did take a lot of those young guys to the playoffs, but that has generally been a knock on him as is the player development. And he's proving everybody, you know, more than wrong here, so.
0: Mm-hmm. It did seem interesting going back to the the Amick report, um, and I guess the biggest takeaway that I had from all of this uh, most recent round of drama is that the situation between Dave Yeager and Brandon Williams is so bad that the assistant coaches were offended to have their contracts offered to them by Brandon Williams. And, and like I said before, mm-hmm. I'm generally pro coaching staff. I'm on their side for most of this stuff. That seemed a little extreme to me, but again, we don't know. <laughs> Maybe it
1: comes back to the royalty thing. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. But it, like, yeah. like we don't know the extent of how bad the relationship is. So from, from right. me sitting in my chair at home, I can say, boy, you guys hate him that much. You don't even want your contract offered by him. Um, right. It, it An seems, email
1: coming from him is yeah. like, yeah, <laughs> that it's that bad.
0: Yeah, it's, it's so, which, and then that comes back to Vlade, who is so consistently... Uh, running this line of of thought where he thinks he can fix every relationship and Mm. again to people like you or me who who are watching the Kings from outside of the organization's walls the solution to all this seems so simple like you you just get rid of your assistant GM the drama goes away you let ownership decide if they're going to extend Vlade at the end of next season and then you move on from there but you don't need to have at least again from the perspective of someone like myself who doesn't have all the information I only have what's been reported or leaked it seems like a no-brainer that you just get rid of Brandon Williams and move on, but there has to be a reason why they aren't. Would that is that your solution to this too?
1: He has to be a big piece behind the scenes for them to still be keeping him. I mean, I don't know any other reason why wouldn't be whether he has really good contacts when it comes, for, you know, time for trades and things like that. You know, whether what we heard is true is he had a big piece in putting this, you know, some of these core pieces together. Um, I mean, if that's not the case, I, I don't know why else you would keep that kind of distraction. I, it doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, it's, it's weird. Like, I keep coming back to that. If the relationship is so bad that an email from Brandon Williams is enough to spark <laughs> a new round of, like, drama here, that I mean, that, that situation seems, uh, unfixable, but that's not Vlade's style. Vlade believes he can fix everything, so... They will keep trying Yes.
1: Yeah. Well, and then that makes you think of, okay, the whole minority owner, they didn't totally tell you what the conference call was about. Yes, it was leaks and, you know, things like that. But there's nothing else to be upset about besides the coaching issue and the GM issue. So I'm curious to see what what the takes were between Vladi and the my, minority owners when it came to that. I mean, because I don't know why else they would be upset. I, that's literally the only thing that's, that seems to be an issue but which is so frustrating because we're playing so well so it was just like stop <laughs> like just stop
0: right before I started recording I went and reread the athletic story that Amic put out and I didn't realize how active those guys are in the comment sections of their own articles so I scrolled down and someone actually asked Amic that in the comments they asked Amic like hey I'm a little bit confused about this article You're talking about, you know, this conference call that Vlade had with the owners. Like, what are they actually upset about? What's going on there? And to Amic's credit, he responded this morning, and I'm paraphrasing, but anyone who wants to uh, see the full quote can go look it up in the comment section of that athletic piece. But what Amic basically said, and again, I'm paraphrasing, is that Vlade's dealing with a lot behind the scenes that doesn't necessarily come out. And a lot of that conference call was about Vlade trying to get him off His back, not necessarily about leaks, but like, uh, according to Amic, they're contacting him all the time. Uh, A direct quote, I'm reading it now. uh, That all leads to clutter on Vlade's side with his email inbox and cell phone full of the kind of feedback he clearly doesn't welcome or want. So it sounds like at least that part about the conference call was Vlade dealing with a lot of garbage behind the scenes from the... Minority owners that we just don't know about, which, you know, I buy that because we've been hearing about the minority owners, like you said earlier in the podcast.
1: Every since, year. Since yeah. Vivek
0: bought the team, It like the minority ownership seemed like an issue. Um, yeah. And now I guess where that issue is bothering Vlade is they're just all over him. It seems like all the time communicating with him with all sorts of takes that he probably doesn't need or want at this
1: point. Oh my God, just stop and let him do what he's doing because it's working. Whatever they're doing, it's working, so just stop.
0: That's the crazy part. (laughs) Like, if you're not satisfied with this right now, what did you want the team to do this year? I mean, did you want them in the finals? Were your expectations that unrealistic? I'm not sure what they could have possibly uh, expected above this. And to be honest, I don't think anybody expected this. I mean, I certainly no, didn't. No, I don't even yeah. think the Kings did. Because if the Kings if the Kings thought they were going to be good, I feel like they would have spent all their money in free agency. Like, if this was a, a playoff oh, yeah. team, they wouldn't have held $11 million. This was clearly supposed to be a rebuilding and development, developmental year for guys like Giles and Bagley and Fox and Bogey and Buddy. But they've been so surprisingly good that they have this weird $11 million in cap space. Like, find me another team that has been this good with that much cap space uh, intentionally. It's such a weird thing yeah. that, that is kind of evidence that they didn't think they were going to be as good as they are. So I'm not yeah. sure. Like I said, mean, we'd hoped we
1: hoped we would see improvement. But, I mean, I, I don't know anyone that thought we would see this much improvement.
0: So where do you think this this ends up? Uh, another year from now. It sounds like Vlade Divak doesn't necessarily have the, I don't know if power is the right word, but it doesn't, it would seem bizarre if he extended Jaeger beyond his own contract. Whether he actually has the power to do that, I don't know, but I, I would assume he doesn't because that seems a little silly. So the ownership is is really the ones making the call here. The ownership will decide mm-hmm. if Vlade gets extended, and if Vlade gets extended, then Vlade will decide if Jaeger gets extended. Uh, It doesn't sound like the relationship between Vlade and ownership is great. That's excluding Vivek. As far as we know, his relationship with Vivek is pretty good, but, you know, who knows. Uh, Where do you see this ending up, knowing what we know now?
1: In a perfect world this summer, Vlade and Jaeger and their staff would both be extended. And I agree with what you're saying, that if Vlade's not extended, then I don't think you're going to see Jaeger. And I don't even know if they would even push it out another year because then you're just you're in a lame duck year and that's that's never goes over well at all with anybody so um i think we're going to know this offseason whether we're going to continue moving forward with this group or if there's going to be a whole change made
0: it's worth mentioning here before we move on to uh less dramatic topics that the minnesota Timberwolves fired tom thibodeau before or since our last recording Potentially opening up that head coaching position if Jaeger does force his way out of Sacramento because the drama between Williams and ownership and whatever is just unfixable. Jaeger did get a new bargaining chip uh, with this front office and ownership group with that Minnesota Wills job opening. I do think you know it's, it's pretty likely that Ryan Saunders does hold on to that job because the Saunders family has such a deep connection with that uh, organization. Mm-hmm. But it's still you know, it's something we're going to have to monitor for the rest of the year and into the summer what is going to happen with that Minnesota Timberwolves Wolves job? Because we know Dave Yeager is from the Minnesota area. I don't want to misquote him, but I don't know why I have a feeling somewhere that at one point he mentioned that that was kind of his dream job. I could be making that up.
1: It, it was, and okay. I think it's similar to in the fact that when players grow up, you know, yeah. if you grew up in Sacramento, your dream would be to play for the Kings. Like a lot of people, when they grew up in Seattle, it was Seattle. Um, he had mentioned that I mean, that was the same kind of thing growing up a, a Timberwolves, you know, fan, that that would be. Plus all his families there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, you know, it makes sense.
0: Yeah, just another fun thing for uh, us to have to think about have through to worry this worry year. Yep. <laughs> all right, moving on from uh, the drama update. The Kings have been in some trade rumors recently. Uh, I hope I sourced these correctly because I didn't write it down. But I think it was uh, Adrian Wojnarowski who originally reported the Kings' interest in uh, New York Knicks center, Ennis Cantor, and then um, I think it was Mark Stein who came out with a tweet storm about the Atlanta Hawks and the Kings' interest in Jeremy Lynn, but also listed um, Dwayne Dedman and uh, Kent Bazemore as players the Hawks are looking to trade, but aren't, aren't necessarily tied to the Kings, but definitely Jeremy Lin was. Um, if I'm Correct. forgetting any trade rumors, please fill them in here, but what do you make of those kinds of moves, these veterans on expiring contracts that can still contribute, that seems to be what the Kings are looking at heading into the trade design.
1: Yeah, and those those names, I would say, don't surprise me. Um, and I'll go back to, and you were right, too, on those sources. Um, but Marks was just on the Woj podcast, I don't know, it was a couple days ago, and he, they brought up the Kings and the net specifically, and he was saying that... Um, he mentioned the Kings being that they literally have nothing to lose at this point, um, being that they are a team on the rise without a first-round pick next year. So, and they're they're showing they have a lot of young talent. They have the cap space that um, they should be big players in the trade uh, deadline, and that there's no incentive for them to get worse. So, if there are um, you know these vet guys out there on expiring deals, then they essentially they make a lot of sense. Because I mean, and you would assume that either it's insurance or it could be something that just puts them over the top, being I think that they're two games out of the eight seed right now. Um, and so Cantor didn't surprise me, but also that his name came up prior to, um, I believe, uh, the Bagley-Giles tandem that we've been seeing the last uh, maybe six games or so, um, or at least in the last week that had been playing really well together. Mm, So I don't know if that would alter maybe what they're doing, but I could also see them, you know, still trying to put him kind of similar to the role of Costa. If it would be Costa going away, um, Cantor would be that kind of guy to me as another big on the bench that, you know, can go out there and get you a double, double, basically any night you want. Um, I think it leaves them, possibly room with Willie, depending on what they want to do with that, because they really are going to have to decide in the next couple of weeks what, what they see going forward with him, or maybe what his worth is. Um, Jeremy Lynn doesn't surprise me either. That's another good um, vet locker room guy. He can come in and he can score that gives you scoring on the bench. And then it also gives you insurance um, for any kind of tear that you're going to get the last half of the season. Uh, It's not a knock to to Yogi or to Mason or anything like that. But again, if you really want to make a playoff run, then and the pace that these guys are playing, I don't think fresh bodies hurt. Um, I know people are worried about you know messing up team chemistry and like that, but I don't. If you can find good vet locker room guys, I don't think that that would happen. So, yeah. you, can't, mean, you can't you yeah. can't just
0: not make a trade because of team chemistry like if, if you if right. there's a trade out there to get yourself better you can't I mean I, you do it to an extent you can not make a trade because of team chemistry but how long is that gonna go for like are they just never gonna make right. a move like you, at some point you're gonna have to try and get better and as far as ennis cantor and Jeremy Lin are concerned you know they're not my favorite players in the world but what I do like about them is they're both young enough to not be over the hill they're still in their primes right. relatively. And they're both in contract years coming out of situations that have not been very kind to their contract year status. Jeremy Lin is a backup in Atlanta, playing okay, but doesn't really have a prominent role where this free agency, you're going to see a bunch of teams, you know, trying to get him. Where if he came to Sacramento and was on this fast-paced offense with a lot of hype right now behind it, really pushing for a spot in a super competitive Western Conference playoff run, I feel like that would do wonders for his contract year status, and you'll get the best Jeremy Lin that you can get. And same with Ennis Cantor, who has completely fallen out of the rotation with the Knicks. His contract year is going as disastrous as you can, but you bring him to Sacramento and put him in a front court that could use his rebounding and scoring. There's certainly some things about Ennis Cantor that would uh, be a negative here in Sacramento, the main one being he's really kind of a post player in offense, and the Kings haven't really gotten a lot of offense out of the post this season. It's just not a big part of uh, what they're doing. They'll give Marvin Bagley some post-ups and Willie Colley signs some post-ups here and there, but Ennis Cantor is really a, a post big, and that's just not the kind of offense that Dave Yeager is running right now. But still, you're you're getting an Ennis Cantor who, if he wants to get paid this summer, is going to put in a lot of hard work and will do what the Kings want him to do ideally. Um, but yeah. beyond those two names, the strategy here that the Kings are are – it seems like they're doing is one that I agree with hundred percent. And that is not taking anything away from their young core, which is going to limit the, the kind of player you can get back, but they're also going to try and send out players that are just not part of the rotation right now, which is Zebo right. or their $11 million in cap space or Costa Kufas, who has fallen out of the rotation since Harry Giles kind of emerged. So while Kandra and Lynn, maybe not my favorite players available for this kind of trade, I love this kind of trade in theory where you're looking for a veteran who is on the final year of his contracts, you're getting the best he can be, you're not adding money next summer, and you're moving contracts or cap space that would just be dead money on your cap anyways uh, for those players. a guy right,
1: just sitting on the bench. Right. Yeah. There I mean, is, if you're not losing. Yeah.
0: There is maybe an opportunity cost there where you could say, well, if you trade Zebo for Ennis Cantor now, then at the deadline you have potentially lost an opportunity somewhere if a better player comes available for uh what would match up with zebo's number and i get that uh argument that's a valid argument so and I, I i'm kind of sitting on the fence here because i can see waiting until the deadline but also you run mm-hmm. the risk of waiting till the deadline and you miss out on all the good players so it's something that the right. front office is going to have to balance but as far as the those trade rumors i like how the kings are thinking
1: Agree. Which is another reason I can kind of see them, why they might be keeping Williams around. If he if he has been a big piece in these talks or has been in these talks previously, I could see why that he's still around. I mean, at least until the deadline, getting this stuff done. Mm-hmm. So which we've heard Vladdy isn't the big phone guy, so I mean it would make sense if Williams is.
0: Yeah, Vladdy's not he is not a big phone guy.
1: I <laughs> so I
0: and then I well,
1: and then you have the whole issue with Cantor too. More stuff came out about you know Turkey's trying to oh, right. extradite him yeah. and arrest him, and you know that was a new one that dropped today. I mean, it's it's horrible what is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so i mean, even for that reason, I don't know if the Kings would go into it just because you don't want to deal with whatever the potential of all of this is going to be. So
0: and he's in a very public food that, with Hito. Yeah. So
1: and there, right? And there's been um, some other bigs that have been injured too. So it seems like bigs could be a prime target come trade deadline. You know, in the next couple of weeks. So it might be worth waiting around to see. You know, how desperate some teams might get as well.
0: What do you think the plan is at Willie Colley Stein? Here, I know we talk about it every time I record a podcast, but that's because Willie Colley Stein is kind of the most interesting player on this roster right now from a contractual standpoint. Because the Kings are in a position now where they're they're kind of pushing for the playoffs, but they run the risk of either making their team worse by trading uh, Willie Colleystein by the deadline,
1: yeah. or
0: they could keep him through the deadline and end up losing him for nothing so are are you in the camp that would like to keep Willie Colleystein and kind of see this through with this squad or try and cash out that asset? At the deadline, when it seems like, and I'm speculating here, it kinda seems like they're they are they are not gonna keep him past this summer. And, and I could be wrong there, but we're seeing how well Giles and Bagley are playing. I feel like their priorities are not gonna be in the front court this summer. I feel like their priorities are gonna be on the wing somewhere, and paying yeah. Willie Colleystein a bunch of long term money maybe doesn't make a ton of sense when your starting front court is is already here, it seems like in Marvin Bagley and Harry Giles.
1: Yeah, I this is such a hard one. Still, is, yeah. I mean, we're that we're we're coming to this still at you know when decisions have to be made. But I mean, he has shown that when Willie's on our team, does great. I mean, the, yeah. I think it was Tim that was putting up the records on there. When he gets a double double, I mean, our record is way above five hundred compared to when he's not. You know, playing like the Willie we know he can play. Mm-hmm. Um, our record drops dramatically, and I know. You know, in the last six games that Bagley and Giles have been playing really well, but they still are so young um, that it still kind of does scare me to throw like the full reins at him right now. Because I do like what Jaeger's doing is he's slowly building them along, just like they did with Fox, you know, and maybe come, you know, this season with their, this will be Giles, I think his first like legit full workout, you know, summer where he can do everything. That maybe it'll, everything will even more so click come next season. Um, I'd have to look and see how many bigs are going to be on the free market. But if there's a way that you can keep him without paying a bunch of long term money, he fits our style very well. And he seems to get along with all the guys and they all love to seem, you know, they all seem to love playing with him. And coach raves about him every post game, whether it's because he's been getting a lot of you know, knocks on whether it's social media or in the press or whatever. But I mean, every game he it almost seems like he goes out of his way to, to prove really. Um, and so that to me, that just shows how highly they think of him. And so I don't know, maybe if they're sending messages to the front office that way saying that this is how much we value this guy. I, I don't know. Um, but to me, I'm at, at least at the trade deadline, unless he's getting you, you're small forward of the future for years to come i don't know why you would do it Yeah, i don't know why you'd trade him it's a complicated um, one it have to be yes it have to be for a guy that you know fits this and he's going to be here for multiple years um i just don't know what what people would pay him this summer to me that's the hardest thing is i really don't know the free agent contracts have been surprising every you know every free agency period since Mm. all the CBA changes. So I really just don't know what he would be worth at this point or what a team might be willing to pay him.
0: Yeah, it's tough because, you know, last year, nobody made money. The year before that, everybody made money. This year, there's a ton of free agents and a ton of cap space available. So your thought is, wow, these guys are going to get paid, but there's still only so much cap space to get, you know, to go out there. So on one hand, like, I could see the Kings bringing Willie colley Stein back for like 8 million because the interest isn't there and teams are using the cap space elsewhere or I could see mm-hmm. the Kings having to, you know, having a contract in front of them from some other team that's paying Willie like 16 million. His range to me is so unpredictable. Now, I, I right. would guess it's around 10, 12, 14 and not as high as 16 and not as low as 8, but to me that's a like nothing inside 8 to 16 range would surprise me. His market is just so hard to determine right now.
1: But – and you see, I mean, the comments from, you know, opposing players about how great they think he is and how athletic. You know, Zach Lowe was saying the other day, um, you know, how good he's been and how he dominated, you know, Drummond when they played the Pistons and things like that. So it's like when he's on, he's so good. Mm -hmm. But it's just you get that inconsistency. But, I mean, by far, this is his best year to date. So credit to him. I mean, that this – that he's done what he's needed to do. Maybe not as consistent as we like, or at least maybe the optics, they don't look as consistent. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he, he's producing and having his best year yet, so.
0: This is a, a decent segue to the last part of the show where, you know, I did want to spend at least some time talking about the the Encore product. And uh, the biggest thing I've seen from this team since we last recorded the podcast was the return of Marvin Bagley and the emergence of Harry Giles which only complicates the Willie Colley-Stein conversation further with how well both Bagley and Giles have played together. And I want to give uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich a ton of credit for this too, running that bench unit. But man, Harry Giles and Marvin Bagley have looked really good for the last five or six games.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of my my worry of moving Bogie to the starting lineup. I mean, God knows the the guy deserves it. But again... Mm -hmm. I'm not worried about who's starting. It's kind of who's finishing to me and the minutes we're getting. And the way he's running this second unit, it keeps these young guys consistent. And if anyone's struggling, he knows how to help a big guy get out of it. Um, He's so good at that, of reading the pick and rolls and putting guys in good spots Um, and just seems to be working well with these guys. And um, our bench right now, we are the second highest scoring bench in the West besides the Clippers. Wow. I mean, and that's been a huge part of why our record is what it is, um, is that when we've had our, you know, starters hit their ruts in the third quarter and things like that, I mean, our bench has been able to come in and take control of a game, and that's huge. And so I don't I don't know yet if you would want to, to mess that up.
0: Dave Yeager mentioned a few times this year that his hardest – decision with the rotation has been and will continue to be where and how he plays Bogdan Bogdanovich and I know we've praised the coaching staff a ton during the show but as far as like threading the needle with the rotation with those three guards Jaeger's done it perfectly guys do want to start generally so I wouldn't be surprised if Bogey behind the scenes is you know maybe not saying anything to Dave Yeager but I would not be shocked if Bogey would prefer a starting position those guys get paid more they get more recognition he's still a young player it's a little bit early in his career to say, all right, you're a bench guy. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but there kind of is something wrong with that, just in, the, uh, in how people talk about basketball today. But Dave Yeager has managed to keep those guys um, in good spirits, and there doesn't seem to be any animosity between, you know, Bogey and Buddy and De'Aaron Fox and where those minutes are coming from. So as long as he can keep threading the needle with how those guys are happy on the court with their minutes and, and touches— I'm fine with keeping Bogey off the bench.
1: I don't. He also just seems like the guy that he likes winning, and he likes legitimately playing with all these guys, and he has that anchor rolled down so well right now Mm. that um, I think as long as he's able to still do what he needs to do, um, and probably you know, obviously, eventually gets paid. um, But yeah, I mean, he has been the Fox, Buddy, and Bogey again continue to be. Essentially the heartbeat of this team. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Um, And especially when you look at it, that he's being asked to play one through three, I mean, on a nightly basis at times Mm -hmm. And and he's able to do it so well with the size difference is, is testament to him that, you know, that he continues to be able to do it, but it just shows how versatile he is.
0: Last thing I want to mention before we close out the podcast is uh, Carmichael Dave reported or revealed or tweeted or however you want to say it last night that De'Aaron Fox, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and Marvin Bagley have been named to the Rising Stars team um, during All-Star Weekend. And that Buddy Heald is in the three-point shootout, which he absolutely deserves outside of... um, uh, the numbers change every night because it's still, we're only halfway through the year, so the overall numbers are going to change pretty dramatically on a night-to-night basis. But Buddy Healed last time I checked, was essentially second in the league in terms of deep shooting behind Steph Curry when you consider uh, the volume of shots and the accuracy of shots. So Buddy definitely deserves a spot in the three-point contest. But yeah. your takeaway from that news, obviously much deserved for all those guys.
1: Oh, big time. And... It's, I mean, it's great because well, we were saying that Buddy should have been in there last year too. So mm-hmm. I mean, he more than deserves it this year. Yeah. But back on that too, like the whole rising stars thing, you know, all those guys deserve it, and you know, it frustrates us because we see guys nothing against Lonzo Ball, but you <laughs> yeah. know, when it comes to the All Star voting and right. stuff, but he's on TV, like he's on national TV, like almost every night. I mean, yeah. anytime the Lakers play, they're on TV. I so watched a stupid game between the Lakers and the, the Bulls last scene. night. No yeah. Reason. Right and so, but I this is a a huge stat that I thought was crazy. But Andy Bailey, uh, last night on Twitter put up where it was a an average rank of ten, a bunch of ten catch all. So it was essentially like plus minuses, um, win shares per thirty six minutes. Um, there was a group of ten that he chose, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so he gave you the top. I don't know, a hundred something, maybe even more to, into the two hundreds um, of how they rank in the NBA. And it's a lot of the guys you assume. And so on the first one, it was one through 31. So he gave that and then, or one through 30. And then the next screenshot he gave was um, 31 to, I don't know if it was 50 or maybe more, but his tweet actually said Fox at number 32. So, he had Fox. So Fox this year so far is number 32 of all NBA players in these this average of 10, you know, categories of plus minuses, one shares per 36s, etc. Mm-hmm. When he finished the season last year in this same same 10, he was 347th yeah, wow. In the NBA, he's 32nd right now. That is crazy. I mean, talk. I don't. He's got to be the most – if you can't say that that's the most improved player, I mean, I don't – I don't know. But to go from 347 to 32.
0: Yeah. he. I mean, and, he's you're seeing,
1: and you're fantastic. seeing it in the wins and losses.
0: Mm-hmm. It's crazy. He should be so. in that uh, point guard all-star conversation. I don't think he would get in, but he should certainly be no. in there above Lonzo Ball, but that's how the uh, popularity contest I, But, yeah, that's, works,
1: that's so. how it works. What but, I mean, if you're getting it from – media or you know coaching things like that whether they actually vote his name he should be in the conversation hands down you know with what he's been able to do same way it was really cool of um Stotts during his press conference uh the other game was uh was saying that jaeger if they did their voting for coach of the year this year um on that day he said that he would think he would win so do i that, mean that's just high praise coming that's great guys. to hear and so, we've
0: heard that stuff from opposing team stars, opposing team coaches, uh, former NBA players in the media, just in general, the more uh, popular media members, everyone praising the Kings and their on-court product in ways that, you know, I haven't heard since I joined STR. I haven't heard in 12 years since the Kings last made the playoffs. So um, I know we spent the majority of the podcast talking about some drama and trade rumors, but yeah. all the credit in the world to uh, what this team is doing on the court. I can't wait for the games. Like, I'm bummed out that they're not playing tonight. I can't wait for the next game. Every Kings game is like a treat to watch because of how well they're playing. So, yep. you know, I can't say enough positive things about how this team is playing. And I'm sure, you know, I know I said that was my last point, but I, I guess I'll ask you here. How has is, how is, uh, Golden 1 Center been throughout this? Um... I was
1: just going to say that this yeah. year is, is crazy. Yeah, everyone's so excited um, the place is, yeah, the place is, is going crazy. It's getting loud again. Um, you know, it's, it's filling up. Not that we ever really ever had a problem with that, but you can definitely feel, um, you know, the air changing and it's getting to point too when you're, you know, walk, when you're at work and back at the water cooler, it's not like, oh my God, Kangs. It's yeah. like, yes, Kangs, like, <laughs> look what they did last night. So, um, just around town, you're starting to see some more King stuff going on and yeah, it's just nice to see when we've seen warrior stuff everywhere. So you're getting a little bit of a buzz back, which is, which is awesome to see.
0: All right, Jill, thank you for jumping on the podcast with me today. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and follow you on the
1: internet? Yeah. Thank you for having me again. And, um, most of my Kings talk where you'll find me is on Twitter and it's at Jill edge. So if you, um, want to come, come, uh, talk Kings, just find me on there and, uh, we'll talk it out.
0: Awesome. Thanks. Jill. Have a great day.
1: All right. Thank you. Jill. I'm ready to take the next step. I'm ready for a
0: university that will help me advance in my education and career.
1: A university that will make me feel supported and connected. I'm ready
0: for ODU online. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today.
1: I'm ready to take the next step. I'm
0: ready for a university that will help me advance in my education and career.
1: A university that will make me feel supported and connected. I'm ready for ODU
0: online. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today.